0: This is the Author Blurb Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard, or as I'm found everywhere else, EA Maynard. But most of all, you found AuthorBlurb.com or the Author Blurb show. Either way, I'm glad that you're here. I'm very glad that you get to listen to my conversation with Fitz and we discuss just her books My Noisy Comeback or excuse me My Noisy Cancer Comeback and her other books she's fun to talk with she's fun to listen to and I enjoyed it very much I found her very inspiring and very much full of energy and with a lot of times you find people that go through what she went through, you would sit there and assume either they're one of two ways. They're happy but just okay happy or they're completely down and out and everything's horrible. Fitz, I found to be full of happiness, joy, reminds me of one of the friends I have that made me smile even, even when she was dealing with her own problems. With that being said, I really hope you enjoy our conversation. There's really not a whole lot to discuss about what's going on with the show or anything like that at this point. I mean, if you've been following the show, you know I'm going to be putting out reviews for people to hear of books, that authors that's been on the show. All the reviews I do, they're going to be focused solely on the authors that have been on this show. I don't know my schedule yet. Right now, I'm just planning on putting them out sporadically as bonus material So if you're subscribed to the show, if you have me constantly coming in every time a new episode comes out, you're going to get it. If not, come back to the channel, come back to the website, check all the different things that I possibly have out there for you so that you can hear those. I promise you, I'm going to try to keep those as entertaining and they'll keep improving just like the show has and hopefully keep improving. And with that improvement, I get to be able to entertain you with amazing people like Fitz Kohler, who talks about the cancer that she went through and everything she dealt with. So let's get right to the show. Thank you for being here. Like I always tell everyone, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. And I appreciate you finding and learning about these authors I talk about because, well, every author loves to be discovered. And their books to be read so take the time listen to the conversations go to the website learn about Fitz and learn about other authors thank you so I'm here with Fitz Kohler and we're talking about her three books she actually has four but we're here discussing her three books and her company fitness and about getting yourself in shape, keeping healthy, and coming back from cancer. Fitz, I appreciate you being here. I'm excited to talk with you. If you could, let everyone know a little bit about yourself, about your books, and then we can go into discussing everything so everyone knows who you are.
1: Sure. Thanks. So I appreciate you having me on your show. Um, I'm a very noisy, very bossy girl. I have a master's in exercise and sports sciences, and I've built a career on helping people live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable and fun. Uh, I haven't worked in a gym scenario in decades. What I do is all all my efforts are via mass media Targeting mass audiences, so TV, radio, books, magazines, newspaper, online presence. I do a lot of corporate keynote speaking, so I show up with huge audiences and help corporations either help their organization grow stronger or help their consumers do better. Um, I do have these three new books. It's my noisy cancer comeback, running at the mouth while running for my life. That's my memoir, and then right. the next two books uh, and. And the memoir has done extraordinarily well. It, that one's been out for two years, and it's it's just killing it, especially in the cancer and running community. But um, these two new books, I'm ecstatic about. The first is Your Healthy Cancer Comeback: Sick to Strong, and it's a guidebook for cancer patients a to slow the decline um, because cancer starts taking its cancer care starts taking its toll on people pretty darn quickly. It did for me. And uh, then this book will hold your hand and help you rebuild your body, you know, after or during or after your cancer care. So I'm really excited about this one because there's nothing like it on the market and people really need it. Its companion is the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. And, you know, you asked about what I do. The other thing I do, and I do a heck of a lot, is I'm a professional race announcer. So I am the host or the voice of some of the largest, most iconic running events in America in uh, Pretty cool. Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Route 66 Marathon, a whole bunch. I make happy noise.
0: (laughs) Well, that's always good. And I can see how easily you make happy noise. You seem very happy and outgoing. So that is, without a doubt, something I can picture. So let's go into your first book, if we can. The My Noisy Comeback, the memoir one that you wrote. Yeah. So Where do we go in that book? What are you discussing? Do you start, because you had cancer, and then because of your lifestyle, because of your fitness and all this, you built back up your life, got back to where you needed to be. Yeah. Where do we start in your book to help us understand where, if somebody's reading it, where they would be looking at
1: Yeah. So my noisy cancer comeback starts at the start. So right, you know, pre-cancer diagnosis, I was living my best life, athletic and fit, running races, you know, doing all the things that I do at a very high level and with no issues, right? And then when I have a clean mammogram, December, late December 2018, and about seven weeks later, I get out of a hotel bathroom or a hotel shower and I rub my under boob and I find a lump and it's a sizey lump. And um, within a week and a half, i'm I'm told, yes, you have cancer and it's already spread to your lymph nodes. So it's running through you like wildfire. We need to treat you aggressively and instantly. So I think I started chemo. You know, once they diagnose you, you still have to take get your MRI and your heart tested and all these other things. But I believe we started chemo about uh, one week after that diagnosis, and it was a hellacious, very, very mean chemo. I had twenty one rounds of chemo, which is a long, Lot of chemo for 15 months. I had uh, 33 rounds of radiation. I had some surgeries. And, you know, the book is not just, I I don't know if just having cancer is all that interesting, right? Because it's just a story of woe, right? But for me, because I made some really good decisions, uh, I chose to maintain perspective. You know, a lot of people go, why me? And it's all pity party the whole time. And I cried every day, but I never had the pity party. I, I really thought, why not me? cancer is everywhere. Why would it not come to me? Um, and I was just really grateful that I wasn't a child with cancer and it wasn't my child with cancer. And because of those things, I just said, okay, I'm going to keep a smile on my face as much as possible, uh, maintain perspective, which really goes a long way. And then I chose to pursue my passions. And so with the treatment I had and the amount of sick I was, and I was so sick, I was like, it was like a violent stomach bug every day for 15 months and bald and all the stuff, but instead of staying home and hiding out or just sleeping my life away, I decided that cancer was not going to steal my time with my kids. You know, if they had a show, a ceremony, a sport, I was going to be there. I had teenagers in there. I just was defiant that cancer wasn't taking our quality time together. And then I also had decided that I wasn't going to let cancer steal my career I do my the work I do is epic, it's epic fun. I'm I adore it. If I would have stayed home, all I would have done was cry and that would have been no good, but um yeah, I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida, my hometown to go travel around the country announcing races and so my book, it's you know, it targets those great decisions, the perspective, passion, positivity, but then it goes on this wild roller coaster cuz if you can imagine going through the cancer nightmare while hosting a million people in 30 locations around the country things got crazy um cancer you know no one wants to talk about it but cancer can be hilarious you know of course it's tragic and and heartbreaking and i lost my dad and my grandma's and you know there was a lot of there is is always a lot of trauma and tragedy with cancer i'm not un, i'm not uh, ignoring that cuz i experienced it But if you experience it, you also know that there's all this weird and wacky stuff that goes on in your body and nobody talks about that. And so I talked about it. I got into the weeds on what the weird, crazy stuff is. And it's funny. And I think it's important to be able to laugh at yourself, you know?
0: Right. And makes sense. I mean, you really don't hear too many people describe cancer as a funny side to it, but... With any good, there has or any bad, there has to be some good to it, or you have to. I guess I always look at it this way: if you can't laugh at the situation, and all you can do is cry, and who really wants to cry? Most people cry enough.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you, with cancer, I did a lot of crying, but. Uh- but I'm so proud of the way I handled those things. It's just, okay. Yeah. I cried. I would normally cry alone in my bathroom or alone in my car. I I tried not to overburden my family. You know, they were going through this with me and it was hard enough on them. I didn't want my kids to see me like boo-hoo on the couch. So I'd I'd hide out and I'd cry and then I get it all out. And then I, I'd come in the kitchen and, you know, maybe my daughter wanted me to do a TikTok dance with her. And even though I felt like crap, I'd say, (laughs) okay, you know, this is my, this is our quality time. This is what she wants to do. I will TikTok dance with this child and um, didn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, the, the, there was just so many funny, crazy moments and what's great is, you know, when I was going through it and some of the crazy things were happening to me, like my eyes changed colors. Nobody, (laughs) nobody warned me. That might be a, a, consequence of chemo. But now that this book is out, so many cancer patients and survivors come back and they go, oh my God, that same thing happened to me. And I had that too. And oh, I haven't told anybody, but oh my gosh, it's so funny. So yeah, I mean, uh, I have a a silly sense of humor, I guess, but uh, it's worked out. Thank goodness.
0: So here's one thing I'm curious about. Yeah. So I, I personally have the thought process of a mindset can make life a lot better in many ways one people like to be around you Two, okay. if you have a positive mindset you stay healthier because your body feels better in that sense too yeah. you're you're definitely a you're talking about you had a positive a very upbeat positive I guess I said positive twice but (laughs) you you had a good attitude about everything and you had the drive to keep that attitude going you also discuss fitness as well and working out do you think that you would have recovered better or would you have recovered as well without one or the other
1: Uh, no they were both essential and you know it's so interesting is these this stress that comes with cancer is unlike any other. It's just, uh, it's unfathomable how stressful it is. And I'm an easygoing girl. When I felt the weight of cancer on my chest, it was literally on my chest, and then figuratively too. It was unbearable. So, uh, I it was toxic. It's toxic. It you know you get this stress up here, now instantly you have a stomachache, and then you can't eat, and then you can't sleep, and everything starts spinning out of control because you're screwed up in the head right so if you can focus on the positives on the good things on the things that you can control you know this next book the first chapter (laughs) the first chapter is called uh where is it it's called control Mm -hmm. and you would be best served to take every ounce of control you can get so it starts up here with your mind Focusing on the things that are positive, not negative, distracting yourself, incorporating people you love, things that entertain you, but then also doing the things that help you vent toxic energy. So when, uh, especially before I got treated, before my treatment started, I was in the gym maybe twice as much because I had so much stress. I would walk into the gym feeling just like a ball of nerves and then I would walk out feeling not so bad, you know, so I was physically exerting those toxic feelings, which was a really powerful thing to do. But when it comes to exercise and nutrition and quality sleep, these healthy habits that are actually healthy for your body, you know, they're a part of having control. You know, you can make your body a hostile environment and unwell make cancer an unwelcome guest in your body by pursuing health. There's research, a brand new study out of Tel Aviv University, November 22, says that if you pursue high intensity aerobic exercise, which is exercise that makes you huff and puff, Mm -hmm. you can be 72% less likely to have cancer spread throughout your body. Wow. So, you know, for me, uh, for anyone having cancer in one location is better than four locations, two locations better than five. So preventing spread through exercise, it's incredibly powerful. There are foods that help. My chapter number eight is called foods that help versus foods that hurt. You know, I don't, need to, I don't need to talk down to people by telling them that, you know, things that help are produce items and beans and nuts and seeds and foods that hurts are processed foods and red meats and porks and alcohol and so forth. So, you know, you take this control and your body becomes a cancer killing machine. Now, yes, you still, I believe, should be using the Western medicine. I, I There's no way I was gonna reject chemo, radiation or surgery. I was very happy to have those proven tools, but could I make my body a better uh, cancer fighting machine? Yeah, could I make my body less likely for infection? Yes, and that's a real risk cancer patients run because someone's always penetrating your skin. You're always getting poked. I must've been poked with needles 400 times. Every time that happens, you risk infection. Can Mm -hmm. your body fight off infection? Well, if you're eating really nutritiously, hopefully the answer is yes. If you're getting that quality sleep, hopefully that answer is yes. So um, when I hit my sixth round of the really mean chemo, I had six rounds of nasty, nasty stuff, and then 15 rounds of nasty, yet less nasty (laughs) chemo. (laughs) And um, so the first six were monstrous. And every round felt worse and worse and worse, and so when I went in for my sixth round of the mean chemo, uh, I was kind of a shaky mess i was I was a bit nervous, you know it's one of those things where when you go into chemo number one, you have fear and it's fear of the unknown, which makes total sense. You're thinking, oh my God, what is this gonna feel like? What's it gonna do to me?" But then when you go in for the uh, the follow-up chemos, your fear becomes the known. You know what these drugs are going to do to you. There's no question in your mind anymore. So that fear can be pretty uh, exaggerated. And so I go in for my sixth and final round of the meanest chemo. And my doctor, Gordon, he looks at me, he says, Fitz, you have done so great. And I look at him and I'm I'm gray and I'm bald and and my fingernails have ripped off and my eyelashes are gone. And I have bumps all over my head. Everything that could be wrong with me was wrong with me. My stomach was a catastrophe. And I said, I have not done well. And he said, Fitz, you have done so great. And I just thought you have lost your mind. What are you not (laughs) paying attention here? And he says, Fitz, I'm not saying you haven't suffered. You have suffered immensely. And I acknowledge that. He said, however, because you were so healthy and fit going into this, you have been able to travel around the country having more fun and more adventure than most healthy people do in a decade. He said, if you were not so committed to health and fitness before treatment and during, he said, you probably would have been hospitalized for a month. You probably would have had a feeding tube that likely would have led to some sort of infection. So I'm not saying you haven't suffered, but you have done a fantastic job controlling what you can and, you know, removing yourself out of the line of fire for worse things. And then I thought, oh, okay, now I get it. And that's, that's why this book is so important because if we can get people to start controlling their behavior, the things that they can control, why they go through treatment, well, then they're going to be so much less likely to have all of these extra side effects, extra horrible outcomes, Um, by just making themselves more resilient and uh, boosting their own immune system.
0: All right. Well, you bringing up the doctor had me wonder about another questioning. So I know the doctors would probably discuss what to expect with the chemo, the radiation, surgery, all this, suggest pills and things to take, and just go through this whole litany of things for you to do. How much did they really talk to you to... Put you in a mindset of i need to eat right i need to eat healthy non-processed natural foods i need to try to stay active to stay healthy how much of that was part of the conversation
1: so that is a great question i actually so with my hematology oncologist which i love he didn't talk to me at all about it nor did his staff now I'm hoping the reason is, is because they know who I am. I'm a, I'm a fairly known commodity in this area. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping they said, I'm not going to tell Fitz Kohler how to eat right. I'm hoping, but we didn't talk anything about nutrition. Um, other than when I had lost a whole bunch of weight, I'd asked him like, what do you suggest I eat to get in more calories type thing? Um, my radiology oncologist did talk about nutrition with me. She says, I know you have exercise covered, but have you, um, read this book? It's called, uh, Anti-Cancer, A New Way of Life. And that's a great book. And it's by a um, a neuroscientist who was diagnosed with brain cancer, was told the median survival rate for the uh, type of tumor he had was six months. And so he thought, oh, God, I'm dying. But then he thought, you know what? Median is six months. But there's a really long tail on that study. A lot of people are living a lot longer. What's the difference? And so he instantly dove into research about how people were um, surviving this this diagnosis and others around the world. And what he found is that um, it was nutritional and environmental. And so he found some pretty hard data on uh, nutrition and how certain foods can help fight cancer and make you a stronger cancer fighting machine. So the radiology oncologist, she steered me towards that. And I thought it was very powerful. And, you know, it's interesting. There's, I mean, there's no direct link that says, hey, sugar causes cancer. However, there's these peripheral experiences that make you say, is it feeding the cancer? I'll give one, for example, when I had a PET scan, a PET scan is, you know, they take an image of all your soft tissue within your body. And before my PET scan, I think for 24 hours before it, I was not allowed to have carbohydrates or sugar. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why, but I followed those rules. And then <laughs> I showed up for my PET scan and what they were going to, what they did, they, the, the tech came, he's wearing this radio, whatever, proof, <laughs> he's wearing like magnet, magnetized outfit to protect himself. And then he has this syringe in this steel locker, he opens up and he injects me with this stuff he's so afraid of, but it's some sort of nuclear fluid that's combined with sugar. I said, why? He said, well, sugar makes your cancer dance. So we strip your body of sugar for 24 hours. And then when we want to see the cancer on a, on a, a PET scan, we inject your body with sugar. It goes directly to the cancer cells and lights them up. And so Again, there is no study that directly links you know, sugar to causing cancer or, yeah, or to causing cancer, but that's pretty unique if the cancer goes, if the sugar goes straight to the cancer. So there's some, uh, I, what's the word? I'm losing the word, like peripheral information that makes you believe perhaps sugar does impact your cancer. Maybe it helps it grow. And maybe if you strip that tumor of can- sugar, perhaps it will starve. So I don't know that that is one of those debatable um, arguments, but yeah, that that book makes a pretty standard, pretty solid case for avoiding sugar. Now, in the chemo center, what did they give you? They gave you bowl of sugar candy. There's <laughs> like butterscotch and stuff because people get sores in their mouth and really mm-hmm. sore throats. So it was just interesting to me. On one side of the cancer building, they were saying avoid sugar. You know, here's some evidence that says you might want to avoid it. And on the other side, they're like whatever, just have the sucker and uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. So I, I had a little bit of conversations about it. I do believe we should have had far more conversations about fitness and nutrition.
0: All right, now with your memoir, you ended up writing that, you tell a bunch of interesting stories. You, I'm assuming, and this is my thought is, your book builds people with hope to be able to come out the other end And find a healthy pattern to do it. Then you wrote your healthy comeback.
1: Cancer Comeback.
0: Yes, your healthy cancer comeback. What's in that book? Because I don't see you having a second memoir. No, and I was gonna say, and it sounds more like some an instructional book of some sort.
1: Exactly right. So this one is the memoir that's about me. It's got my face on it, it says, Yay, cancer, right? (laughs) So happy. But this one is literally a guidebook. So You know, chapter one is control. Um, Chapter two, mental fitness with the three P's, which is perspective, passions, positivity. Chapter three is understanding the four pillars of fitness. Um, I'm going to bounce ahead. Chapter seven is my favorite. So chapter seven is called everything exercise. And I go into all the nuts and bolts of strength training, cardiovascular training, flexibility, and balance training, and how to incorporate those into your life while you're starting treatment, during treatment, coming out of treatment. But it also has this massive photo section with instructions to go with it. So, you know, here's how to do strength training for your shoulders or stretches for your legs. So there's a hundred or so standard exercise photos using gravity, bands, and dumbbells. But then there's going to be a place where maybe you're too sick to stand up. Maybe you've just had surgery. So here's a bunch of exercises. Oh, I skipped ahead. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I skipped ahead. Here they are. The exercises you can do in a chair. There's dozens and there's a lot of cancer patients who cannot stand up at the moment. And then if you're stuck in bed, well, here is exercises you can do in bed to uh, maintain strength, maintain mobility, because Man, you lie down all the time. All of a sudden, your whole body gets stiff. You lose posture. You become weaker. Nobody ever says things like, oh, my back is stiff and means it in a positive way, right? right so, yeah. <laughs> so even in bed, you can do things to prevent those negative outcomes. And then there's a whole bunch of exercises or stretches you can do in the shower. And I put that in there. It's you know firsthand experience because I was so sick that I was exploding all the time. So I would probably take four showers a day. I was always in the shower. And so when I got in there, I would turn on um, my phone. I'd put Jerry Seinfeld interviews on YouTube. So I had (laughs) somebody make me laugh or I'd put on my favorite songs, Garth Brooks. And then I would just stretch in the shower. And so the book has legit practical guidance. So if your grandma or your brother or your child is going through cancer care, there's things that they can do to help their body out. This book is filled with it. It's filled with nutrition. We talk about meditation, acupuncture, physical therapy, sexual health counseling. You know, I hit, I hit people from all angles of things that they may be struggling with, they're likely struggling with, and then how to do better. And ideally, when you're done and you're, you're in the survivor category, well, here's how to get back to full-blown vibrancy and energy and strength and even athletic adventure.
0: Athletic adventure. So what, what do you, I have an idea of what I can would think an athletic adventure is. Okay. But for somebody who's just healing, Mm
1: -hmm. what would
0: they consider an athletic adventure?
1: So it could be hiking, right? You could go hiking. That's athletic adventure. You could go swimming in the ocean, right? You could go zip lining. I mean, who knows what you're doing? (laughs) I zip lining would have been great for me because I didn't have to put out a lot of energy. Um, (laughs) I was able, I, I mean, a year after, a little over a year after finishing all of my treatment, I ran the Boston Marathon.
0: All right. Which is a big marathon. If I'm- it's,
1: it's, a, it's one of the most iconic races in the entire world. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a big deal for me. I ran some smaller races first, but just getting out to life, you know, if, if you're in your senior years, your golden years, maybe you're not thinking athletic directly athletic adventure but maybe you want to do a water aerobics class maybe you want to do some zumba and a chair maybe you want to just slow dance with your honey in your kitchen right so um i i think athletic venture to me is challenging your body and doing it in a fun way that makes you laugh
0: well sounds good yeah. so who really would benefit because not everybody that is going to read your book i assume is going to have cancer or at least i hope not so <laughs> I hope as few people have cancer as possible, but so like you have the memoir, you have the instructional, how to get back into shape, how to do all this. You also have a journal that you said. Yeah. What, who is these books directed for besides people that are dealing with cancer?
1: So this particular book, my memoir, it's, it's a story. It's a good story. And there's, uh, the mental resiliency tools you, anybody can use them on any day, right? So when mm-hmm. I do keynote speak speeches and I, I, I speak to a, a room of 400 professionals, they all go home with one of these. They don't have cancer, most of them, right? Hopefully, right. Hopefully but it's a good story. And the running community really likes it because I talk about race announcing a lot. This book specifically is for cancer patients and specifically for survivors. So if you don't have cancer and you you're not done with cancer, Hopefully, it's someone that you care about has cancer. And and what I find is that um, noisy, most noisy purchases have been gifts for cancer patients. So again, a lot of regular people reading them, but they, it's I would say 51% of the noisy books have been ordered as a gift for somebody going through it. This book, I be, I'm hoping this book becomes... The standard. Are you? Have you heard of uh, what to expect when you're expecting? The book that every <laughs> yeah. pregnant woman gets, right?
0: Yeah, we have that book here.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So once you get pregnant, everyone gets that. If you're diagnosed with cancer, I want every single cancer patient to have this in your hands because this is going to be the guidebook for navigating your disease and your treatment and um, making the absolute best of it during and after. And then the same for the journal. The journal is a place. I love the journal. It's it's so fun. It actually will be released in March. And um, it's the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. And it's broken into sections. So the first section is all your cancer details. What, what's your diagnosis and what your treatment plan is, who your doctors are, where you're getting treated. And then st- points about you who are you what's your name where do you go to school where do you work blah 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 but then there's a whole section for your feelings you know it's a cathartic place to write down your fears and uh the things that motivate you and then your faith you know some people are not driven by faith a lot of people are so there's room for that there's a place for friendship you know which one of your and there's a a ton of prompts you know so the prompts may sound like who has your who has your favorite shoulder to cry on Which friend sends the most uplifting text? You know, there's always that comedian that brightens your day with a little a little message on your phone Um, and then the funny stuff. So, again, I I had I had the worst time ever with cancer, but I also had some really funny, uh, bright spots because I forced them. And so (laughs) some of the prompts are like, what celebrity do you look like bald for me? Uh, People would tell me I look like Grace Jones, and I would think, oh, okay, but then I got a lot of crazy Britney Spears. People go, oh, you look just like crazy Britney Spears. (laughs) Thank you. So uh, I'm sure all of my friends who go bald will get that experience. If you don't lose your hair, fantastic. Um, And then the back half of the book is purely for logging your daily workouts, your nutrition, your sleep patterns as you... Um, move from sick to strong. So I'm I'm really excited about that book. And again, that one is for cancer patients and survivors.
0: I understand. Yeah. Now, with the memoir, yeah. you have a bunch of stories in there. Like you said, what are like? Can you give an example? Like you talked about your eyes changing color. What was the story behind that? Because that I've never heard of somebody's eyes changing color.
1: Right, right. So there was a whole bunch of experiences I had where I kept thinking, why didn't they warn me about this? There was, we actually had what the PA, the physician's assistant, she sat down with me before I started chemo, me and my husband. And she said, okay, th- we're going to go, we calling this breast cancer 101, and we're going to tell you all the things that may or may not happen. And she went into every type of surgery one might have. And if I had a genetic thing, maybe I'd have a hysterectomy and, you know, maybe, maybe a pineapple would grow out of my head. She's had all <laughs> these things that might happen. Um, and and a lot of them did happen. I was sick and I was bald and I was tired and blah, blah, blah. But then there's all this stuff they never mentioned and it kept happening. And I kept thinking, hello. So I was at, in California announcing the Big Sur Marathon weekend. And on Saturday morning, we have a 3K. I think it's a couple thousand, like 5000 people show up. And I wake up about 5 a.m. I'm there alone. And I, I get in the shower and showers are great when you're when you're bald because it's just like wipe, drying off a plastic bowl, they're quick and easy, you, you dry so fast. And so I get out of the shower and then um, I take my first look in the mirror and my eyes were pale gray. So my whole life people have said, whoa, are, you not, are your eyes gray? Are they silver? What color are your eyes? I say, well, pale blue, they're gray blue. Oh, they're gray. I looked in the mirror this morning, and my eyes were navy blue saucers, just <laughs> navy blue saucers. And I thought, what the, what's going on? You know, I looked and I looked again, I'm scratching my little bald head, and I I thought, well, I mean, do I call the ambulance? But I call. I thought if I call nine one one and I say, help, my eyes have changed colors. Well, they're just going to send a psychiatrist, <laughs> right? What are, What are they going to do about? Oh, really? Sorry, that sounds horrible. So, um. I thought, well, this is bonkers. Maybe maybe I'm just seeing things. But either way, there's 5,000 people waiting for me. So I got to get up and get going. So I get dressed. And then my announcing partner, Rudy, he comes and knocks on my door to get me like a gentleman. He always grabs me in the race mornings. And so I open the door. And the first thing he says is, what the hell happened to your eyes? And I was like, I know. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And so they stayed Navy for a long time. And then they've just settled into a, a pretty blue-blue. I do not have the gray anymore. Uh, but that's weird. I mean, what? Nobody yeah. talks about that stuff.
0: Yeah, like I said, I've never once heard about about the eyes changing colors for really anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, with all no. that... What's that?
1: I said chemo. <laughs>
0: well there's a lot that happens to the body yeah. going through treatment and i think you mentioned before i don't remember if it's been during this conversation but you said that a lot of the um the pain and the things that you felt were actually more from the treatments than it was from the cancer itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, cancer never caused me any pain. And now that's not that same way with everybody. Some people have these massive tumors or it's in their bones. And a lot of people have actual pain from their cancer. I just had a lump and it was in my lymph nodes. And thankfully it wasn't in, it wasn't causing me pain, right? The treatment caused a lot of suffering. You know, it was the path to becoming Uh, cancer free. But, you know, I'm so much suffering. You know, a lot of people end up with burns from radiation. Thankfully, I had a fairly uncomplicated time with radiation. Surgery caused issues. That wasn't a lot of fun. I had drains. And I am over three years out of surgery. And I can finally, finally do pushups without pain. I had this pain in my clavicle from the weakness and the radiation really kind of made my, um, the meat, the muscle. It, it's almost like if you took a, a chicken breast and you cooked it in the microwave, you know how it would become really tough?
0: Yeah, rubbery and such, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So my my uh, muscles and my breast tissue was kind of rubbery and it felt like I've been hit with a bat. Like it just is bruised. Hmm. I still feel bruised. It's years after. So... Anyways, yeah, a lot of suffering from the treatment, never from the actual cancer for me. Very ironic.
0: Well, do you think that a bit, again, going back to the physical side of it, you're staying healthy beforehand? Because, you know, I I try where I can a little bit to stay healthy. My wife makes sure that I eat healthy and yells at me if I touch candy and all this stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: So besides being healthy or not besides, but do you think that you being able to, um, handle where the chemo and all that was the worst part of it versus the cancer was because of your healthy lifestyle?
1: Um, yeah, you know what? I think my great fortune is that I found it early enough. And so if I were obese, for example, might I have found this lump? Had I been able to feel it? I'm not so sure. So being lean to me was a real benefit because that lump stuck out like a sore thumb. All I had to do was touch it, which is why I'm constantly encouraging people get those annual exams of all of them, but then touch yourself, touch your boobs, touch your, touch your stuff in your pants, you know, touch everything. And if you feel something weird, report it. So for me, being a lean person allowed me to find that lump pretty quickly. I have a neighbor, holy mackerel, she, they just found a football size mass in her stomach. Ooh, cool. or the, yeah. A football size mass. I mean, if you're of average size or if you're at a healthy body weight, that's you're not your body's not going to get away. A tumor is not going to get away with growing to be a football size without you knowing it. Right. You might find yeah. out when it's a ping pong or so forth. So, yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself, being aware Of your body, how it works, how it feels. You know, I'm assuming someone who is in good shape, and I'm not talking about elite athlete. I'm just talking about the average Joe who takes pretty good care of himself. You know, if he starts to experience extreme fatigue, it's going to be weird. As opposed to a guy who doesn't exercise, doesn't take care of himself, and fatigue is the norm. Right. Going to say anything, right? So the more in tune you are with your body, the better you care you care for it. The more likely these red flags will stand out to you and you'll be able to catch them early. And, you know, science has come so far and people have worked so hard to find cures for cancer. And thankfully they, they've done a, a a really good job with it. It's not there yet. It's not good enough yet. Right. But most early stage cancers are curable. So, you know, can we do things to avoid getting cancer? Sure. You know, avoiding too much sun exposure and cigarette smoking and alcohol and the processed foods and so forth. You know, obviously, I did most things right, and I still got cancer. So some of us will just get it. Um, But then if you are doing the right things, not only will you be able to avoid most cancers, but you'll be able to find them, identify them. And and that really is so important.
0: All right. Sounds perfect. So, I mean, it sounds like you have so much valuable information in all your books. The memoirs, I'm actually thinking I'll probably pick it up to just read it out of curiosity because you know I do love memoirs and understanding different things and it I think it would give me a perspective personally to understanding what somebody's going through dealing with it because a lot of us we know somebody or we know somebody that knows somebody that's gone through it and we try to be supportive we try to be helpful but we have really no idea and From my experience, like I've known a person who's had cancer and I knew it was rough on her and she, she was a rock, but she still had her things, but she didn't really discuss much, at least not with me. And I didn't pry because I was just a friend. It wasn't my business. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't know what she was going through other than the little bits that I saw. I think you go ahead. I'm sorry. I was
1: just going to say. So, yeah, I get into the gory details. I share it all, like all (laughs) the gory details. But then I also, you know, I talk about my animals. I had a disabled duck at the time, she was a great (laughs) influence. Um, My dog. I talk about my interactions with not only the people that I know and love, but then my incredible interactions with strangers, which were so many good ones, so many great stories of strangers saving my day. Uh, and and it's just a reflection of how kind and wonderful our country is. And it's funny, you know, people like to pick on America for so many reasons. And I really do feel that America is the, the greatest country that ever lived, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people like to pick on Americans. And what I can tell you is uh, everybody, every type of person, every color, every religion, every socioeconomic background, everybody tried to help when I was sick. I never wore a cancer t-shirt. I never wore a ribbon. I never wore a wig. I just was there. I I mean, the floating around with my bald head was enough. But people just wanted to help. They cared. They were generous. They They held doors. They helped me with my luggage. People would just come and root for me. So the story, there's a bunch of really good stories of you know, the humankind, and then also some warnings of, you know, I go into the weird stuff people said to me, you know, and here's some advice of things not to say to (laughs) your friends who may have been diagnosed with anything awful. So, you know, the the memoir covers a lot of bases.
0: Well, perfect. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting time to read it. Let me ask this. I have a profile for you on authorblurb.com. People can find you there, find the links that i have for you and obviously the show in both audio and video but if somebody wants to reach out to you ask you questions find your books say they don't want to go to the website where do you like them to go to to find you
1: so i am at fitness.com. that's my headquarters f-i-t-z is in zebra n as in nancy e-s-s-o so fitness.com. Got tons of free resources. So, anyone looking to just get fit with their body, whether it's cancer or not, there's free recipes, free articles, free workout videos, all sorts of free stuff. All of my books are available at fitness.com. And I also have these fun little stickers and magnets and hats. And, you know, it's the comeback queen and the comeback king gear, which make great gifts for anyone going through it. But uh, every book that leaves my office, I sign them personally. So, if you want to say make it out to Suzy Q, I'll make. Make every book out to Susie Q, include the free gift with purchase, and then I, sh- I wrap them all beautifully and ship them off with love because I really love my readers. Um, I've got online courses, all sorts of nice things at fitness.com. However, these books are available wherever books are sold. So I, I, I prefer people coming to fitness.com, but if you want to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or my audiobook is available on all platforms, Chirp and Google Play and Apple—that's noisy. My noisy cancer comeback is an audiobook. So, um, yeah, fitness ideally, and then the others as a second choice. And then I'm also at fitness on all social channels. And you know, my request is this: is that um, if you follow, I promise quality content in return. But what I prefer is that you reach out and tell me you heard me on your favorite podcast and you'd like <laughs> to connect because I'd much rather have friends than followers.
0: I absolutely agree. And I think that's a perfect sentiment. So with that being said, I'm, you know what, before I let you go, what, what is one message you would actually give somebody? Be, just to finish this off, you have such a positive outlook, a positive way of thinking. What's a message if somebody's going through cancer, whatever illness What's something you would tell them to help them get through it?
1: You take control of absolutely everything you can. The things that you can control right now are your mindset and then the things you do with into your body. And so you're in charge of all of that and um, seek out joy. Don't just seek it out, but force it into every single day. It'll make the whole experience, even though I know it's horrible. I've been through horrible But when you force in joy, it just kind of takes the edge off. And, you know, you might even have some really good days if you're committed to it.
0: Kind of reminds me of a story my son wrote about going on a joy hunt. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so he tells me he goes on a joy hunt every day now. So it's very cute and it's wonderful. So thank you very much again for being here. I've enjoyed talking with you. I think anyone listening or watching this show is going to get a whole lot out of it. And they should get your books as well. At least the memoirs, gift it, read it, share it, things like that I really feel would be a benefit to most people. So Fitz, thank you again very much for being here. This is going to be the end for everybody else, but you and I will talk a little bit more. Thank you. So thank you for making it this far. Remember... You can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor. Share. Subscribe. Enjoy the show and tell others. Thank you.